Well, I want to I want to talk to you a moment. It has nothing to do with the message. It seemed like yesterday uh, the Lord was showing me. I should have known it, but somehow I didn't know it. You see a person who may be in their 18, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 60. But for some reason, they don't want anything to do with Jesus. And for some reason, they don't want anything to do with, with I want to say, religion. And I know in some cases, it's an excuse because they don't want to stop living in their sin. There's pleasure in sin for a season. But you know what? A lot of people get hurt. They get hurt at a, at a point in their life. They have no religious background. They don't have anybody around them that can talk to them about God's love and about Jesus. And so what they do, they, they let this hurt kind of make them angry with God. Well, God, for example, I asked a, a man recently uh, who's been wonderfully said, well, why, why didn't you drink all those years? Why did you do that? He said, I guess it was the pain that I had. When my mother died at 42, and I, I just didn't understand it and said, I hated God. Why would he take my mother at 42? Then, then I got a letter from another man who was giving me his testimony, and he lived in a very abusive home. He was drug around from one place to another, abused, and finally at 16, he said, there's got to be some place and somebody that's worked better than this. And I, he, he never understood why God. You see, he had no understanding of the enemy and the devil. He said, I, I never understood why God let me be drugged from place to place. And he just turned to a wicked and ungodly life. Of course, he just recently got saved. But I want to tell you, if you work around lost people, and if you have contact with people who have drug problems and other problems, and they're not saved, and they're trying to escape something, well, what you need to do is don't, don't, don't look at the symptom. Build a relationship with them. So one day you can ask them a question. Is there any reason that you uh, took drugs or drank? Is there any reason you ran from God and wanted nothing to do? And, and I believe you're going to find that a lot of people have some deep-rooted pain. I'm telling you now that they've never been able to deal with. And they look, and all, the devil has seen to it that they look to all the wrong places. They look to all the wrong places instead of looking to Jesus. 
But, you know, in, in, two, in two cases, once these individuals found out the reality of Christ and how much he loved them and how that he died for them, and they got over all that junk that had been in their life. One was up in his 50s, the other was 65. But I'm going to tell you, there's a reason. Satan will do everything he can to get people hurt and bitter toward God. He'll use false religion, shallow religion, people who are religious who cheat somebody or do something. He'll use that to turn people against Jesus. And it's not Jesus. It has nothing to do with Jesus. Nothing. Nothing. But you see, that's exactly the way he entraps them and causes them pain. And then they try to start trying to escape it by any way they can. And I'll tell you, that's a vicious cycle, y'all. And I'm going to tell you something. Mobile, Alabama's full of people just like that. There are people around you. You don't know what's going on. One of my best friends uh, battled alcohol all his life. And I do believe he got saved. But he, I went back with him to the point where he had the hurt in his life and he couldn't get beyond it until he met Jesus. So I don't know what you're going through. Maybe you understand how much Jesus loves you. Maybe you understand that he's for you and not against you. And maybe you understand that the pain and hurt that is in your life is nothing often but the affliction of the devil who's trying to keep you from ever trusting God who loves you and cares for you. Don't you believe that lie? I'm telling you, God is good. And he is love. And God ne never exists to give you pain. He, he said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. And the Bible says Jesus bore our pain on the cross. So don't believe the lie. And if you're dealing with hurt and that, well, that, I don't want anything to do with it. Well, you realize where that's coming from. And I want you to turn to the Lord. And I know there was somebody here that they needed to hear that. Because I had to say it. Let me pray for a moment. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you that Jesus Christ saw us at our worst and went to the cross and died for us. And nobody loves us like you love us. Nobody cares about us like you care about us. Nobody's for us like you're for us. Oh, yes, you are an awesome God full of mercy and grace. But you, if we refuse that mercy and grace then we'll never experience what you created us to be in Christ. So, Lord, today you remind us that one day Jesus, we're going to see Jesus face to face, and it will be soon. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm going to share with you about the return of Christ. Now, everything I'm going to share with you is from the Bible. It's all from this book. I'm not going to share some way out experience or way out vision or or after death, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to take this book and show you what it says about the return of Christ. Now, you need to understand, there are a number of reasons I believe the Bible is the Word of God. First of all, I believe the Bible is the Word of inerrant, is, is without error. The Bible is inerrant, 
It's infallible. And it's inspired. And I'll just give you three reasons. One, what this book has said would happen has happened and is still happening. This book said that God would gather the Jewish people from all over the world, take them back in the middle of hundreds of millions of Arabs, and give them their land. And he did in 1948. And then in the Six-Day War, he gave them back the city of Jerusalem. You know, God said he was going to do that. Now, if he hadn't done that, we'd be waiting for him to do it. If he didn't do it, the Bible wouldn't be true. So you see, the one reason I believe the Bible is the Word of God is because everything God said would happen has happened and is happening. He even got into detail where Jesus would be born. He said, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, there will come out of you one who is a Savior. And, And there were two Bethlehems. But that was prophesied. So listen to me. One reason I believe the Bible is because everything God said would happen, has happened, and is happening. All right? Here's the second reason I believe the Bible is the Word of God. Because I'm going to tell you about the second coming of Christ. And, and, if, you don't, and if you believe the Bible, then you, you won't have any problem with what I'm going to say. But if you don't believe the Bible, it doesn't matter what I say. You know, here's the thing about uh, this book. See, this book told me how to be saved. It, it showed me the way of salvation. It did. It said that if I would repent of my sin and believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died on the cross in my place, shed his precious blood, God raised him from the dead, that if I would repent and trust in Jesus Christ who died for me, who bled for me, who took my sin, that he would come into my life and forgive my sins and save me and change me. So I did what he said to do, and guess what? He did what he said he would. So I believe the Bible because it, when, I, when he told me how to get saved, I got saved. And that's the testimony of every Christian in this room. But there's another reason. I believe the Bible is the word of God, and that is this. Everything that God said will happen. It will happen. And some of it is happening now and will increasingly happen until Jesus comes. So, our authority for what we believe about the return of Jesus is the Word of God. Not speculation, not philosophy, not something, some dream that somebody had. Now, I guess one of the greatest uh, proofs or the greatest clear statements about the return of Christ is found in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. Jesus is leaving. He's going back to the right hand of the Father, where he is now seated in a place of absolute authority. And so he, he's 40 days have passed. Pentecost is coming. It says, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. Don't leave, but to wait for the promise of the Father which he said, you've heard from me. And then he went on and said, for John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Let me just pause right there and say, they weren't ready to go. Jesus said, you stay here because without the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to get wiped out and you have no authority and you're not going to see one thing happen. So you wait here until Pentecost. You wait here. It was promised. 
And he says, wait here until you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so, and then he goes on and says, so this is Jesus' last words to him. For John truly baptized you with water, but you'll be baptized not many days from here. Then the next verse. Therefore, when they came together, now listen to this. They asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? You see, the Jews thought that Jesus was uh, uh, just a Jewish, the disciples, just a Jewish Messiah. And they thought he was going to set up an earthly kingdom on earth. But that was not his plan. It was later. And they said, well, let me ask you something, Lord. Now, you've gone to the cross. You've died. You've rose again. Let me ask you something. Are are you going to set up your kingdom in Israel right now? Listen to what Jesus said to them. It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Then he goes on. But you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, and the end of the earth. He said, you don't have to know what's going on right now time-wise or the season, but you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Father is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit not many times from now. Then he goes on. Now, when he has spoken these words, here's what I want you to see. While they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. So Jesus was standing there telling them to wait for the promise of the Father, standing there and telling them that they didn't need to be burdened about the times and the season, that they just need to be filled with the Spirit. And then all of a sudden, while he was talking, he started going up. And there was a cloud. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, go back to the verse before that, if you don't mind, if you can go. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. Their sight. And then it goes on and said, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, two men stood by them, angels. Two angels stood by them in white apparel. And listen to what they said. You men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Now stop. If that's the only word I had that Jesus was going to come back, listen, this same Jesus who was taken up into heaven will come in like manner as you have seen him go. So the angels just said, look, he's going away for a season, but I want you to know he's coming back. He's coming back the same way he left. And you need to be ready when he comes back. So, let's just look at the scripture and see two or three things. I'm going to touch briefly on the signs that the king is, the coming of the king is near. The sign that the coming of the king is near. I'm just going to touch that briefly. David did a great job last week in explaining that. But then I'm going to, Talk to you about the evidence 
that affirms that the king will return. I want to give you evidence from the Bible that the king will return. And then the next thing I want to show you is the events that will occur, that will accompany when the king returns. And then the last thing, the expectation that awaits when the king returns. Well, what are the signs that, uh, that, that, that the king is about to come? Matthew 24, verses 3 through 9. I want you to look at that on the screen. And uh, we'll go back to Thessalonians later. Uh, it says here, Now as they sat on the Mount of the Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? Now listen to this. When will be the sign? Oh, they were looking for him to come. He hadn't even left, but they were looking for him to come back. What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Hey, we don't want to be caught by surprise. How are we going to know when you're coming back and the world's going to come to an end as we know it? And Jesus goes on and answers that, he says. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceive you. Well, that's a word that needs to be heard. Take one that take heed that no one deceive you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. Mohammed, Buddha, a hundred thousand Hindu gods, all these foreign cultic gods. It says, Many will come in my name. Oh, oh, they're not saying they're Christ, but they're saying that they are the Savior, which is, they're, they're saying, I'm, we're the one that was going to come. Many will come in my name saying, I am Christ, and will deceive many. And he goes on and says, and this is what's going to happen before I come back. Well, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. For all these things must come to pass. So there are going to be wars and rumors of wars. There are going to be terrorists, the Boko Haram, the ISIS, the Islamic terrorists, and on and on, the North Korean idiot, and all that kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> There's going to be all kind of things. There's going to be all kind of things. You'll hear wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. And they're coming to pass. But the end is not yet. Then he goes on in another verse. Nation will rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines. Three-fourths of the world goes to bed hungry at night. There will be famines. Pestilences. That's super bugs, super diseases. And uh, earthquakes in various places. And so there will be wars and pestilences and Earthquakes in various places. You know, every time I read that verse, I can't help but think of what this guy said. And they asked this guy, I said, where are you going to live? He said, I, I tell you where I'm going to live. I said, I'm not going to live in various places. He said, why not? Because that's where earthquakes are going to be. <laughs> I, I mean, I think about that every time I read that. <laughs> but anyway, let's go on to the next verse. For all, all these are the beginning they're the beginning of sorrow. Now, let me say this to you. This is what the enemy says. Well, there's been wars and rumors of wars all the time. There's been famine. There's been pestilence. It's false cry. But let me tell you something. When they multiply, when they multiply, when they're piled one on top of the other, one on top of the other, and one on top of the other, when they keep seem to be coming at a rapid speed, then all that is saying that this is just a sign 
that, they, that Jesus is coming soon. And they have been multiplied. And they have been coming at, at faster pace. It seems almost every time. So there are going to be signs in the earth that Jesus is coming back. But, but see, there's going to be signs in the human race. There's going to be signs in humanity that Jesus is coming back. And this is a very important sign. It's uh, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 8. And I want you to read, listen to this. And, and to be honest now, if this does not look like you, just listen to the 10 o'clock news or the 9 o'clock news. But this is what it sounds like about America. And you can take it to England. You can take it to Finland. You can take it to Sweden. You can take it anywhere you want to take it. Know that in the last days, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. Boasters. They'll be proud. They'll be blasphemers. You know, it was not too long ago that was, um, I was flipping through the television and I don't know why I was doing that, but I didn't, I don't do that often, but uh, there was some Hollywood star that was blaspheming Jesus. I almost threw something at the television. You ever notice how they just, just blasphemed Jesus? I heard this thing in passing where this guy was going to get married. And he said, well, I'll tell you one thing. Jesus is not coming to my marriage. And I'm not going to invite him to his mar my marriage, and he won't be there. Let me tell you something. You think that upsets Jesus? No, it doesn't upset Jesus. Because he knows he's got you in the palm of your, his hand, and any time he wants to, he can take you out. I tell you, it's a serious thing to blaspheme Jesus. It's a serious thing to blaspheme the living God. But they do it all the time now. I, I despise Hollywood. I despise it. They're just a bunch of wicked people that don't know how to live, so they stay drugged up all the time, and then they produce these movies that take God's name in vain. I hate that, man. I hate it. So why do you pay your money to go see it? Well, you've got to have something to do, Brother Fred. Try the Bible. It ain't bad. Try praying for somebody. My Lord. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, you know, it seems like everything now is violent. It's violence, violence. And now they're not even human beings. They're these people, they're these big monsters that are fighting each other. What in the world would I wonder what's that for? Monsters fighting each other? They're not even real. If you find out they're real, please let me know. I want to know about it. But it's, bru it's all bruta brutality. It's all violence. Brutal. Despisers of good. Wow. And goes on and describes it a little bit more. They'll be traitors. <laughs> I could get in real trouble at what I'm fixing to say. <laughs> I think if a person will not uh, stand to salute the American flag, Amen. I think they're a traitor. Amen. You know why? There may or may not be racial injustice. I know that it is. I mean, there's white injustice to white. I mean, 
There's always been injustice. There's always been prejudice. But it ain't got nothing to do with that. It's for the men who died. The hundreds of thousands who died. So we would have the freedom to sit here and worship God today. And we're not under the rule of some socialistic dictator. And that we're still free. And I'll tell you one thing. It's a disgrace. And somebody needs to slap them upside the head and say, man, wake up. You wouldn't be anything without this snake country. What else does it say? Traitors, head is strong, haughty. Lovers of pleasure. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. You know, there was a time when Sunday was the day when people worshipped and they wouldn't even have activities on Wednesday night because people went to church on Wednesday night. Total disregard. It's all about pleasure. And then this is about the religious condition. Having a form of godliness. Nice buildings. Nice ceremonies. Uh, formal words. They'll have a form of godliness. But deny its power. From such people turn away. Well, that's just the signs, folks. And they're going to multiply and multiply and multiply. Now, <clears throat> oh, I'm, just, I'm just getting started. I got plenty of time. Okay. <laughs> All right, so that's just the signs we're looking at right now. Here's the thing. Here's the evidence that affirms the king will return. Now, here's this great passage. I'm going to spend my time right now in the book of, of Thessalonians. The first chapter, and I'm going to give you the evidence. All right, now I want you to look at verse 6. Uh, no, no go, go to verse 7. What, what are you, uh, no, that's right, go to first, first Thessalonians 4. All right. All right, now look at what it says, these scriptures. It says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have died. That says sleep. That's the way they d describe death. Now, you say, well, you mean to tell me, Brother Fred, when a person dies, they just lay in the grave and they're, un they're unconscious, they're asleep. No, 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 no. Their body is, but when a person dies, their soul, their spirit goes to be with Jesus. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Paul said, I have a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, but I will have to stay here for a while. He said to the thief on the cross, after you sleep a while, you'll be with me in paradise. That is not what he said. So, it goes on. Put that scripture back up there. 1 Thessalonians 4. It says. All right, here it is. I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow not as others who have no hope. By the way, if you're not a Christian, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't believe in Jesus, if you've not surrendered your life to Jesus, you're facing eternity, you're facing death, you're facing the grave, and you have absolutely no hope. That we sorrow not as others who have no hope. Now look at this. I love this. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, can I ask you a question? Do you believe that Jesus died and rose again? If so, say amen. amen. All right, we know if we believe Jesus died and rose again, even so, God, God will bring 
with him those who are asleep in Jesus, those who died in Christ. He's going to be, he's going to bring, he's going to, uh, uh, to bring their soul, their spirit, who they were, their mind, their emotions, their will, their spirit, their capacity to know God, their personality. For, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so will God bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. And boy, I love this one. Well, now, here's the evidence. Listen to me. This we say to you by the word of the Lord. Paul said, now, I ain't dreamed this up. This is what God spoke to me. This we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means go before those who are, already, who are asleep. In other words, they're already with Jesus and they, they're going to be, their, their soul and spirit's going to be coming with them. So the guy, he's going to raise their body to meet the, and get, and they're going to get a new and glorified body on the way up. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord are not going to precede those who are asleep, their bodies. And boy, I like this. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ, their bodies, that their mortal bodies that has gone back to dust. And the dead in Christ will rise first. All right. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together, will be caught up together with them. In the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Okay, first of all, here's the evidence that will accompany his return. First of all, uh, the, uh, the, it says, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. All right, in verse 14. Uh, go back to 414. And, and I noticed this, and I've never paid much attention to it, but it says here that uh, the tr there will be a, uh, uh, be a shout and the uh, voice of the archangel and a trumpet. Well, I, I, I believe it says the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. So I guess you, you think it's going to be Jesus shouting. Who's doing the shouting here? The Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout. So evidently Jesus is shouting something. And with the voice of an arch and with the voice of an archangel, wonder what he's going to be saying. Well, you say it's an archangel shouting. I don't know. But you know one thing, there's going to be a shout. And then there's going to be a trumpet. <laughs> and a trumpet will, uh, and, and, uh, and with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. God has a trumpet. Have you ever heard God play a trumpet? Well, I'll tell you one thing. I'm going I'm, I'm to start listening. And if I hear some kind of shout I don't understand, I say, oh, here, I'm going to start looking up. And then, boy, if I hear something that sounds like an angel, whoo, I'm, and boy, if somebody sounds a trumpet, I'm on my way out of here. Isn't it interesting? He's coming with a shout. The voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God. Man, 
That is going to be awesome. Absolutely awesome. I heard a pastor that was preaching on this, and it said, and, the, and, and there'll, there'll be a sound of, the sound of a trumpet, and he'd got one of his members to stand in the back and then blew a trumpet, and about half the people fainted. <laughs> what if somebody blew a trumpet right now? It would get our attention. The voice of the archangel uh, come with a shout, the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. That's going to accompany the coming of Jesus. And it said here, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. All right. Remember I said everything the Bible said would happen, has happened, and is happening? Well, you know the Bible told us ahead that Jesus was going to die on the cross. Did you know 600 years before Jesus died on the cross? Let me tell you what Isaiah said. Chapter 53, verse 5 and 6. Before, long before, he said he, he's going to be wounded for our transgressions. He's going to be bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is going to be upon him. And by his stripes, we're going to be healed. And in the next verse, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. What was he talking about? 600 years before Jesus was ever wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities and before God the Father ever placed on him the iniquity of, all, of us all, Isaiah said he's coming and he's going to die on the cross. You see, God's word said it was going to happen. Guess what? It happened. Everything God said is going to happen, it happened. And he says, uh, and, 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 and goes on and says, that he would rise again, said, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, did you know his resurrection was prophesied years before in Psalm 16, verses 8 through 10? See, it told us. It says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. And then listen to these words. Therefore, my heart is glad. My glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. Next verse. For you will not leave my soul in hell. And you will not allow your Holy One to seek corruption. He said, hey, he's coming out of the grave. So if we believe Jesus died and rose again, then we can believe that Jesus is coming again. All right, now go back in, in 1 Thessalonians 4, and it says, this we say to you, if we believe Jesus died and rose again, then it says, and this we say to you, that don't miss this, and this we say to you by the word of the Lord. He said, by the word of the Lord, we are saying this to you. So, he's saying, God's word is going to tell us that Jesus is coming. Do you realize that there are over 200 references in the New Testament to the second coming of Jesus? I'm telling you, there are over 200 references in the New Testament about the return of Jesus. Let me show you just one example. Did you know in the book of um, 1 Thessalonians, every chapter ends with a verse about the return of the Lord. Every chapter. All right, let, let's look. I'll just show you on the screen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10. Guess what it tells about? Look at what it says. And to wait for his son from heaven. We're waiting. Whom he raised from the dead. Even Jesus who delivers us 
from the wrath to come. <clears throat> Paul said, we're waiting for his son from heaven. Hallelujah. And he delivers us from the wrath to come. Then you go to the second chapter of that same book of Thessalonians. And look what it says. It, it refers to the return of Christ. For what is our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you at the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? You are our glory and joy. And then he goes on in chapter 3. And he closes it about that Jesus is coming back again. He says, so that, you, so, that, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father. Let me go again. So they may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Chapter 1, he's coming. Chapter 2, he's coming. Chapter 3, he's coming. Then you get on over to chapter 4, verse 16. That's the verse we, we're looking at. The Lord himself is going to descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel. Then you get to chapter 5. And boy, I love this. Now, this is good. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Set you apart for himself completely. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Over 200 times. He's coming. Be ready. He's coming. He's coming. The word, if we believe Jesus died and rose again, and then there's the word of the Lord, those are absolute evidences of his coming. And then in, and there's a passage in Titus that, that, about the word of the Lord. I love this. In Ch Titus chapter 3, verse 11, knowing that such a person I don't know why that's there. Look at the next verse. That's not the one I'm looking for. Go to the next verse. Well, heavenly days, I must have the wrong book. Is that, is that Titus? It's got to be in there. Keep going. To, to, uh, I see. Did, you, did we start at verse 11? Well, I'll just tell you what it says. I know what it says. Titus 3, 11 through 14. It says, Looking for that blessed hope, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what it said. You look it up in Titus. I promise you it's there. Somehow in my study, it escaped to what? It's 2.13. Hallelujah. Put up. Can you find 2.13? That page was torn out of my Bible. Wait a minute. Right, now, look, I want you to look at this. Look, man, th this is all about the coming of Jesus, y'all. You know, this ain't no second thought with God. It's no second thought with the Father. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's a, glory, a blessed hope, and it's a glorious appearing for those who are ready when Jesus comes back. Thank you for helping me. All right. So, then there's two other Evidences of his coming. All right, I want you to look at the promise of Jesus. In John chapter 1, John 14, verse 1.
Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. They said, well, Lord, where you, where you go I do not know, and the way we do not know. Then Jesus said, I'm, I'm glad you said that. In verse 6 he said, Jesus said unto them, I'm the way. You want to go to heaven? I'm the way. I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And by the way, nobody comes to the Father except through me. So there's the promise of Jesus. I'm talking about the evidence that affirms the king's return. He, we believe he died and rose again. We believe by the word of the Lord. We believe the glorious promise in uh, Paul and Titus. And we believe the promise of Jesus. But I love this one. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 and 4. All right, now. This is good. It says, knowing this first, that scoffers, scoffers will come in the last day, saying, waiting, scoffers will come in the last day, walking according to their own lust, okay, <laughs> listen with the, and saying, well, where is the promise of his coming? You Christians have been saying Jesus was going to come back for 2,000 years. I mean, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continued as they were from the beginning of creation. That is totally untrue. They'd forgotten there'd been a flood and Sodom and Gomorrah had been destroyed. But anyway, but anyway, said, uh, it says, where, where's the promise of his coming? And then you go on in, 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 in verse 4. And then you go, go over to uh, verse 8, it says. They said, where's the promise of his coming? Since the fathers fell asleep, things have continued just as they are. And then he says it. But beloved... Do not forget this one thing. With the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Well, if one day is as a thousand years, there's been, there's two days then since Jesus ascended. A thousand years, one, this is 2000 and 17. So, you know how long it's been since Jesus has been gone? Two days. Do you know that God has no, God, God doesn't even know what time is. He is time. He don't, he don't, he hasn't got a watch, y'all. He doesn't even know what time is. When you're eternal, who, what does it matter that time is? He said, just let me tell you, you scoffers, it says, remember, I know he hadn't come back, but a thousand years is as one day with the Lord. And one day is a thousand years. So it's really just been two days. So we say on the first day he was crucified, he was buried. And on the third day, what did he do? Well, the third day's coming up. He might be coming back on the third day. You know, that's a real possibility. You say, when does the third day begin? I think it's already begun. I don't know. But I'm telling you, and, and he just talked about the scoffers, and then he said one other thing in verse 10. He said, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. 
both the earth and its works that are in it will be burned up. Okay, why do we believe that Jesus is coming back? We believe it because what the, the Bible, everything the Bible said will happen has happened. Everything he says is going to happen is going to happen. And with the, we have the evidence, of it, we have the signs of his coming, and we have the evidence that affirms his return. All right, now, let's look at the events that accompany his coming, okay? I've already said, first of all, there's going to be a shout. Verse 16. Secondly, there's going to be the voice. Of, now, this is the... Uh, the events that occurred. That was the evidence, the word of the Lord. These are the events. A shout, the voice of the archangel, and the trumpet. All right? And then it says this, and this is what really excites me. The Lord himself will descend from heaven. Now, do you remember back over there when, the, when Jesus went up on the cloud and the, and the angels stood by the disciples and said, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing into heaven? This same Jesus, the same Jesus, will so come. He went up visibly. He went up bodily. This same Jesus will so come in like manner as you have seen him go. So here you've got to understand, when Christ returns, Christ will return. It will not be a substitute. No, it will not be on video. It will not. The Lord himself shall descend from the heaven with a shout. It's going to be, he's going to be visible, and he's going to have a body, and we're going to recognize him. And everybody said, glory to God. You're not sure, but I'm telling you. Listen, the Lord, Jesus is coming himself. He's coming in the air himself. The shout, the archangel, the trumpet, here comes Jesus. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of his archangel and, and the trumpet and the dead in Christ shall, uh, will, will rise first. Okay, so the, here's the evidence. Events. The Lord himself is coming. Number one, there'll be the resurrection of the dead. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Okay. We have mortal bodies. <coughs> and these mortal bodies go back to the dust from which they came. Our soul, mind, emotions, when will, our spirit, who we are, our personality, redeemed, we're with Jesus. We're with Jesus. Our loved ones who've gone before, they're with Jesus. But now when Jesus shouts and comes, at that time, all this is going to happen pretty quick. It says, the dead in Christ will rise first. I, I was at the cemetery the other day, and <laughs> this guy looked at me and said, I would like to be here on the day the rapture comes and see what happens when all these graves open up. Now, there'll be some that don't open up because they're not, they did not die in Christ. But the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And you say, how are they going to get out? Well, they're going to get their new and glorified body on the way up. And the new and glorified body was never bothered by material things. Jesus appeared and disappeared after he was uh, raised from the dead. So, uh, you know, it ain't a matter of them getting out of the ground and out of the casket. Why do we pay so much for them when you've got to leave it behind anyway? But anyway, I don't like that idea. So the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Now, y'all have heard this. Uh, I was taught... Uh, when I did my first funerals, Brother Fred, do not step on a grave or do not step over a grave. 
I said, well, that's nice. That's honoring those who died. And I think that's part of it. But that wasn't why they started it. Because, see, they, they thought the, the rapture was going to come any time. And if you were stepping on a grave or over when the rapture came, you were going to get knocked sky high. <laughs> no, really, that, that was part of the thought of the Christians. Well, if you don't want to get knocked out of sight, you better not, don't step on it and don't step over it. And I still try to get around it because, you know. <laughs> it says, the dead in Christ shall rise first. And they're going to get, you know, on the way up, they're going to get a new and glorified body. They're going to get it on the way up, that new and glorified body. That, that uh, just like one Jesus had. And those that are coming with him will receive their new and glorified body. So there's going to be the resurrection of the dead. And then there's the rapture of the saints. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel. The dead in Christ shall rise first. That's the resurrection. And we who are alive and remain will be caught up. And the word there in the Greek is raptured. We shall be caught up in in the, in the air, caught up with them in the air to meet the Lord. So, there's a resurrection of the dead. There's a rapture of the saints. But this is good. If you're not careful, you'll miss it. It says, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. There's going to be a reunion. Did you know that? There's going to be a reunion. My heavens, our loved ones who have gone before, I guess we'll all just grab hands on the way up. I don't know. Boy, you know, that gets me excited, you know. My goodness alive. There are a lot of my friends that are in heaven, but there's one... I, I can't hardly tell this. I'll start crying. So, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to. I tell you what. I'm going to be keeping my eyes on Jesus, and I'm going to be looking for my mother. Because I wouldn't be standing here if it wasn't for her who dedicated me to the Lord before I was ever born. And when God called me to preach, I said, Mother, why in the world didn't you tell me? She said, I wanted God to tell you. <laughs> the godliest, well, the godly, in fact, probably the godliest person I've ever known. I've never seen anything like it. But guess what? She's been gone for about since 83, I think. Well, she's going to look like she's 35, 33 years old when I see her. Boy, she was beautiful at 33. She was beautiful at 83. But let me say something. Have you got anybody over there that you love, that, that you know is with Jesus, and you so, you've missed him so much, but you say, well, one day I'll see him again? You're exactly right. Don't let the devil lie to you. Oh, you're exactly right. You will see them again. You will. You will, and it's going to be glorious. And think, you just say, well, we'll spend a little time together. 10,000 years, and we'll just get started. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. <laughs> People say, you Christians are too heavenly-minded. 
to be any earthly good. They're crazy. No, I don't mean that. They're wrong. They're wrong. Because I tell you one thing, I'm looking forward to heaven because everything that's precious to me, most of them have gone on. I want to ask you a question. Where are you going? If Jesus were to come today, the dead in Christ would rise first. Then those Christians who are alive and remain would be caught up with them to meet the Lord in the air. I want to ask you a question. Would you be one of them? Would you go or would you be left behind? You say, uh, well, I don't know if I believe that or not. Well, you got to tear some pages out of the Bible then if you don't believe that. So uh, what's going to happen when he comes? There'll be the shout, the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ will rise first. We who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. There's going to be a reunion. There's going to be the rapture. There's going to be a, a reunion. And that is going to be absolutely glorious. A glorious reunion. Man, we'll have all eternity to get to know everybody up there. There's some people I sure want to meet. And then here's the last thing. Well, I'm going to say it now. It won't take me long. Okay, there is the signs that indicate his coming. There's the evidence that affirms his coming. There's the events that surround his coming. There's the expectation that awaits his coming. We shall be caught up together in the air. Now listen to this. Don't you miss this. To meet the Lord in the air. That word meet, do you know what that means? That you have an appointment. It is official appointment. It is already made. It's on the calendar. And when he comes, you are going to meet him in the air, Jesus. It says that we will meet the Lord. So you've got a meeting coming up. I'm telling you, it's a very significant meeting. You're going to meet the Lord in the air. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> it, it, it's, going, it's going to be glorious, but I, I want to say this. So be sure you're ready for the meeting. If you're saved, if you're saved, then you're going to meet him in the air. But you need to be ready to meet him. And the way you're ready to meet him is to by living a surrendered life, a righteous life, a godly life, a holy life by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm just saying to you, you're going to meet him. If you're saved, you're going to be up there with every, uh, in, that, in the clouds. So you're not going to be there unless you're saved. But are you going to meet him having lived a holy life, a life that does not practice sin, a righteous life? I didn't say a perfect life, but a holy life, a righteous life, a godly life, a life where he could say, well done, good and faithful servant. Are you going to be ready? There's a verse that is so sobering that the first, when I saw it with my spiritual eyes the first time, it just broke me. First John 
2.28. Now, now, little children, don't miss this. That's an affectionate term for Christians. And now, little children, abide in him. Be yielded to him, surrendered to him, trust him, look into him. And now, little children, abide in him that when he appears, not if he appears, but that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. I said, Lord, are you telling me there are going to be some people that are caught up in the air and when they meet Jesus, there's going to be a time where they're ashamed. Maybe that's when God has to wipe away every tear from their eye. I don't know. But he said that you may have confidence and not be ashamed before him. I want to ask you, and I ask myself this question. Dear God, I, I want him to search me. Do you have confidence? And you can say, Brother Fred, I know right now the way I'm living. I will not be ashamed when I meet him. I know my sins are forgiven. I know my sins are confessed up to date. I know my obedience is up to date. I'm ready. I'm ready. And so I'm not going to be ashamed. I got confidence. I got confidence that I won't be ashamed when he comes. That's a daily thing, y'all. I tell you where I want to be. I don't want to be in a saloon, in a bar when Jesus comes. I don't want to be in an R-rated movie when Jesus comes. Now, I'm, that's upsetting some of y'all. I'm glad. I don't want to be practicing sin when he comes. I want to be, and you and I, we need to be living holy and righteous and godly. Our sins confessed up to date. Our obedience up to date. And so when he comes, we're on the way up and say, thank God. Now, I've got all my accounts settled. They're all settled. And I'm not going to be, I've got confidence when I, look, when I look into the face of Jesus. I've got confidence. I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm not going to be ashamed before him when he comes. There are days if he had come, I would have been ashamed. Oh, I, 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 I would have been as saved as I ever had been. But if he had come in a particular moment or a time, I guarantee you I'd have been ashamed without question. But praise God, we can keep our sins under the blood of Jesus and our be obedience up to date. And, and I'm not talking about being perfect, but I'm talking about being consistent. Then we will not be ashamed. We'll have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming.